Welcome to Headset, the podcast that examines the unique mental skill sets of elite athletes, performers, and executives. It is our goal to discover the various skill sets that these individuals use to get their heads set to perform. This is episode six, and today we are continuing our insights into Team Wildlife Generation, professional cycling team based out of here in the United States. And this is a really unique team, which is doing something that has never really been done before, and that's taking professional sports and bridging it to the need for more insight and understanding for the conservation of wildlife in our world today. And especially with everything going on in our world today, this team's uniqueness, I think, provides a tremendous amount of insight as to how important it is for us to be aware of the environment around us as a whole. Today, we have an incredible young man, Mr. Cormac McKeough, who will be talking to us about his career on the bike, his life off the bike, and when he opens up his home, his life, and his family story to us, you can't help but want to give this guy a big hug. He's not only a quality athlete, he's an incredible person, uh, and, and I can't tell you how much I enjoyed speaking with him. It's definitely one of those conversations where you say hello and you blink and you, five hours could go by and you think it was only two minutes. This incredible human being, incredible guy, spent uh, a lot of time with me and opened up not only his doors to us, literally, but uh, opened up his, his life box to us and shared with us some, some deep behind-the-scenes secrets as to what goes on in his world and his life and his family. And I can't thank him enough for being so open, so kind, and uh, so genuine. So without any further ado, from Team Wildlife Generation professional cyclist, Mr. Karmic McYo's life story and incredible insights as to how he mentally prepares for races and his season ahead. Um, really great insights, really great athlete, but even better human being. And we share with you today on the Headset Podcast, Mr. Cormac McGill. I hope you enjoy. I've got the opportunity to talk to uh, Mr. Cormac McGill. And we're talking from San Diego, California to Washington State. And what a beautiful, beautiful environment you're in there, buddy. Oh, my God. And, and thank you for making time on your, your training day to, to talk with us here. So, so let me ask you some questions. How, how are you doing right now with everything going on in the world? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, everything's okay. Um, yeah, just like you're saying, I'm up here at my parents' house, uh, chilling with my brother, my little brother and my, uh, my little dog while they're stuck in Italy. So just making the best of the situation, getting in a bit of training in on Zwift and, uh, lucky for me, uh, Dr. Galea is taking the opportunity to help me waste time on the trainer. So. <laughs> this is great. So <laughs> let me ask you this, buddy. Um, Talking to a couple of guys uh, over the past week, um, one of the things that's come up with, with several of them is the, the the thought of how difficult it is with your schedule now being kind of on hold, and 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 with that, it, it can it can be tough. So so, what's it been like for you now, knowing that your season has kind of been put on hold a little bit? How how how's that affecting you? Right. Well, it's, it's just like, you got to just kind of, you can't think about the races like, like as your, well, you, you can think about it as your long-term goal, but like for me right now, it's just about being generally fit, you know, like mm -hmm. being on a continental pro cycling team like this, um, you know, we're not Chris Broom, you no, know, we're not like, we don't have the ability to just be like, yeah, so 
all right, boss, I'm doing this race, I'm doing that race, I'm doing this race, you know, you're not able to like tailor your training that specifically, not because Danny isn't trying to be good to us, uh, our manager, but because, you know, sometimes Danny doesn't even know what races we're doing, you know, like, right. Right. because it's all kind of just like, you know, not thrown together, but it's just not perfect, you know? Like, yeah. So yeah. you can't be stressing out too much about it just because like, what would you be doing anyway? You know, right. staying fit. So it's like, it's all I'm focusing on just like making sure I just stay fit and uh, ride my bike and, you know, don't yeah. get too down about it. Cause I love to just be fit and you always got to be ready to race anyway. So just so, keeping the pedals turning. <laughs> it, it's great what you say though. Um, because talking to other athletes in different sports, it's amazing to see how, um, say game focused or date focused uh young yeah. and, and and in your world now as i'm sure like like all these other different athletes it's it, it's not something that you can live by anymore at this point in time no definitely not so uh, are you getting a chance to get out and, and ride with other people or are you doing kind of the the safe uh coronavirus <laughs> you know? I'm uh yeah I'm pretty much closed off right now uh like I said I'm up here in Washington with my brother so my brother has uh Down syndrome and uh the other developmental disabilities so uh he's pretty much just on like 24 7 care you can't really leave him alone except for like I mean I he's like just right inside um I'm outside on the trainer but uh yeah he's really easy to take care of but you can't and leave him I'm here on the Zwift, um, you know, taking care of him for the next few weeks while my parents are stuck in Italy. Oh, <laughs> so are, are your parents okay? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're just they're just chilling. Uh, they're in the country, so they're away from the mayhem, and uh, they're perfectly happy to just sit in their little cottage and uh, look at the view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I. I'm just amazed with all the news that we're hearing about um, how things are, are going on in Northern Italy over there. And yeah, right. it, it's interesting because the, the perspective you provide is, is one of the two that, that I've gotten from relatives that are over there. Uh, there are people who are in complete Armageddon mode, like the world is coming to an end. And there's other people who are, are saying things like you are, everything's fine. We're, we're keeping to ourselves. And um, yeah. we're okay, you know. I, I heard an interesting story this morning. Uh, a friend of mine has uh, a friend who is one of the nurses at uh, Boston General. And oh, wow. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is, this is going to be some interesting news coming in. And sure enough, he says to me, yeah, we talked to her yesterday and uh, there's nothing going on. <laughs> we have um, zero people coming in. Everything is totally okay. It's quiet. But then you talk to other parts of the country. I spoke to someone yesterday who lives in Las Vegas, and oh. um, it's a completely different perspective. It's a complete ghost town, um, and people are in a scenario where uh, they're, they're in shutdown mode. And um, right. it, it's it's really. It's really kind of scary when you, when you compare the apples and oranges to things. But um, has this scenario affected your you personally? Do you have any friends or family that have been affected by the whole scenario? No, I don't have any uh, personal connections to anybody who's been affected directly by the actual virus itself. But it's just all been like, uh, you know, minor um, things like in the grand scheme of things, uh, in the grand scheme of like, you know, world pandemic, you know, yeah. affecting hundreds okay. of millions of people, but, uh, just races being canceled, uh, and then travel, um, interruptions and, uh, logistical inter life interruptions. So, yeah. but yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm just, just laying low, you know, <laughs> good, good, good. Focusing on the training, you know? So let me, let, me, let me ask you some stuff here about you as the athlete now, right? We're, 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 we'll change gears a little bit. So you as the athlete, how did you ever get into cycling? How, how did this fall into, into your life? Was somebody at home a, a cyclist? 
Uh, not really. Like, you know, I kind of just, like, I, I was born in Washington State, and I kind of lived in the, close to Seattle, uh, Snoqualmie, that's uh, where I lived, close to Issaquah, if anybody knows the area. Um, it's kind of just like any other outskirts of the city, like, just not on like people play football and they play soccer and you know play video games so i was the latter <laughs> yeah. you know just chilling at home like playing video games and like not really doing anything too exciting or whatever so when i was 12 i moved to colorado and my family we skied a lot so we kind of moved there just because it was like a better way of life you know just get away from the city and live a more wholesome life being in the mountains and my uh family we just had an opportunity to do that because my dad was able to go back and forth kind of so you know my dad was like sleeping under his desk oh, <laughs> and stuff in washington and like coming over every you know month maybe so. <laughs> but then after that i uh in high school i got into mountain biking uh to my high school the mountain bike team so Oh, wow. Did some mountain biking, did some races. Wasn't anything too serious, really. Just like maybe four races a year, and you know, most of them were wearing a costume or something. Like wearing a <laughs> the tie. Wearing a tie was always my trademark, and I had this pink helmet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like funny socks and stuff. Like so, you know, good, good, wholesome fun, right? Just like pure, pure enjoyment with uh, bicycles as the vehicle, so. So when did you make And then the, in college. Um, was it college, the university you made the big jump? Yeah, I went to Fort Lewis College, and um, I also, when I was in high school still, I had a, a mentor of mine, his name's John Sheehan. He uh, lives in Seattle, friend of my dad's. Uh, they just met in a coffee shop, you know. My uh, father is from Ireland, so. John is also from Ireland, and he just overheard my father speaking and introduced himself. But, uh, you know, eventually they got to that. Uh, my father had a son who liked to ride bikes, so he was kind of the first, like, seed that got planted to really, like, think about racing road. <laughs> what he always said was, like, it's all about the money, man. Like, the money in road. That's why you got to do the road, you know? There ain't no fucking money in the mountain bike. <laughs> All about the money. So, and that's that's kind of like after I went to college, I had an opportunity to really race road with a team, the Fort Lewis College cycling team. Yeah, amazing developmental program that really is. Uh, it should be a model around the U.S. because it just takes anybody and everybody who wants to race bikes for whatever reason it is, whether it's because they want to, like, you know, drink as many beers as they can right before the race or something, or, like, <laughs> just totally crush the race and win it. Like, you know, it's kind of like anybody's welcome. And, like, just put your name on the list to go to the race, come, show up, race hard, and have fun. So I really uh, went into it as this kind of goofy kid, wearing costumes and races and stuff. And then I came out of it as like a pro roadie. Like I pretty much just switched completely wow. <laughs> from like a fun seeker to performance driven and uh, kind of athlete. So that's really where it happened. So my sure. first season was mostly just me going around the country, driving and looking for that money. <laughs> <That money. laughs> looking for the cheddar so I, I, cut I, out for a sec. I, I find it so interesting what you're sharing right now because this is something that kind of fell into your lap and you started it with mm -hmm. the mindset of I just enjoy doing this and, and, and then you, it seemed like yeah. you were really lucky in this program that you were with they created a real fun environment and that fun environment yeah. is what made you want to keep doing this certainly yeah Incredible. and yeah it's what made it like easy to get into because what you see so often with developmental programs particularly like junior teams in the u.s is that like there aren't a ton of like clubs where uh 
everyone is welcome and like everyone can just like show up and race and uh you know it's always like like I, I, the first thing i think of is like lux cycling like really good junior team but like you have to be good before you're on it kind of you know what i mean so like team swift is a team that comes to example like they're really good at developing young people and allowing kind of anybody to join and test out the waters but yeah that's the best thing about collegiate cycling is just the, the ability to develop the opportunity giving the opportunities to young people who want to try out the sport so so what was the name of that program again fort lewis college cycling team in uh, durango colorado i love it you know i, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a program called real sports um the, the main person that that kind of host the show his name is brian grumble and it's an hbo version of like um all the espn 30 for 30s if that makes sense and and oh yeah yeah incredible people like the people that they have that are doing the stories are just phenomenal people um everything from in-depth information as to to some of the big topics that are going on in, in youth and professional sport but then they also sprinkle in these amazing stories that grab your heart. And, and about a year ago, I'm watching uh, the show and they had done a special on Finland. And what they were looking at is they were looking at how Finland creates a youth sport model for development in all of their sports. And it's phenomenal. And it's, it's very much like the one that you're describing with the Fort Lewis Collegiate Program. What they do is they create games for every sport for all kids to play, 100% inclusive, and they don't keep score until age 13. So it doesn't matter if it's soccer, <laughs> hockey, basketball, volleyball, track and field, whatever. Their model mindset is let's get everyone playing. Let's get everyone playing and let's get them to a point where they'll continue playing to that, that pivotal age where they decide if they like it or they love it, right? And, and what's so brilliant yeah. about this is what I've noticed in youth sports in the United States as well as in Canada, it's usually at that age of 13 that everything kind of takes its own path. And, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is parents, when they have kids and they want to get their kids involved in either programs that are passionate to them, maybe, you know, they played basketball or volleyball or cycled or whatever it may be. Yeah. They go crazy parents from the ages of, of, of their kid being, say, six or seven to about 10. And what happens is during that age is they're trying to figure out what is my kid like. And right, right. when the kid gets to about, you know, 10, 11, you can kind of see things where they're, they're, they're giving them less problems about going to practice about. So that's how you determine <laughs> he likes soccer or basketball, right? Because <laughs> get him to the field. But when you get yeah. to... to 13-ish, that's when the kid feels strong enough, confident enough to be able to say intrinsically um, to themselves, then to their parents, hey, this is what I really like. I really like cycling. I really like soccer. I really like whatever it may be. And then that's at that point in time, the Finland model says, okay, let's start pursuing in a more competitive environment you know, that, that's sport that you enjoy. And, and what's really incredible is that when it comes to winter sports, especially their athletes crush it. And, and they had an interesting stat. I know in the sport of hockey where something along the lines of, of per capita for their, their, their country size as a whole, they're producing more athletes at these elite levels of professional sports than almost than any other country on the planet and and it's all starting from this fun based wow. mentality right let's get more kids playing more kids playing let them have fun 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 and then from there let's see who develops from that like who finds that passion and, and it's, it's it's interesting because many years ago i'm sure you heard what they used to do in russia they would um test you at a young age and they would say, you know what, Cormac, you, you're going to have long legs, good cardio, you've got strong lungs, we're going to put you into an endurance sport. That's what you're going to do. 
So it didn't matter if you like soccer or you like volleyball or whatever. They're like, no, no, you're, you're built for endurance. You're going here. And, and they did that with all of their young athletes. They were basically told, this is what you're going to do. Which Poor kids. Yeah, right? Like, it's a little, <laughs> little, little bizarre. Um, but, but at the same time, right, you never hear that word fun as much as you're hearing it now out there. I just think it's mm-hmm. amazing for you that you became a pro athlete from something that was just fun at a later stage in your life. Right. Like, like I, I wow. So what, what were you studying at, uh, at school? Fort Lewis College. Uh, I was studying economics and a political science minor. So I just graduated uh, last December. Great. Great. Those are uh, two good topics. Um, I, I started as a policy yeah. uh, major many years ago. Um, definitely useful stuff. Any thoughts about past the pro athletic career, what you might do? Past the pro athletic career. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say, you know, um, when you're, <laughs> when most of the time as an athlete, like I'm just thinking like, you know, just a matter of weeks in the future. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like, but, uh, yeah, maybe something entrepreneurial, you know, selling mm. something. Yeah. Selling just whatever it is, you know, real estate maybe, or, you know, well, something like that, I think. Well, it, it, as we were, we were talking before we, we started here, uh, we, we both share um, similar upbringing as our parents would take us hostage uh, going to look <laughs> at homes. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, one of the similarities uh, that Cormac and I have is that our parents um, would take us hostage to go and look at homes as, as young children. <laughs> I, there are times where when I'm back home in Toronto, um, I enjoy taking people hostage to say, hey, come let me show you where I grew up and let me show you. <laughs> the first time I fell in a ditch, right? It was right in front of this beautiful home. And <laughs> look how ugly it's painted, right? So it, it's funny. Yeah. Have that. Um, do you have any little side passions away from sport? Is there anything that that a side passion for you that you enjoy doing? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. It's been kind of it's been interesting in uh, the post um, college kind of life, you know. So I just I've been training a ton. Uh, I kind of like I like uh, you know I like video games still like you know. I say that cycling is just kind of like a, like a video game, but in real life. So, yeah. you know, if I'm just trying to chill out or whatever, I'll play a, play a game or something, you know, Mario Kart, great training for on the bike, you know, really gets you, uh, gets you in the mindset of like picking your lines and stuff, you know? <laughs> so, so with that video game, um, I guess, topic here, I, I recently read, that there are different athletes that are doing things online and they're competing against each other and, and they're playing like games against each other. So I don't know if you know, but like the other night two of the top NASCAR drivers had uh, a race where it was like a virtual race and they competed against each other. And just this morning I read an article about how now because of the pandemic that we're dealing with one of the ways that programs that are involved with sports and training what they're doing is they're creating this virtual training almost like the peloton we actually have a company yeah in diego. Zwift. yeah there's a company in san diego that i just found out about yesterday real ingenious idea of what they did check this out it's a company that does spin classes but you can't come in to spin anymore so what they did was is they went to all of their members and they said who would like to rent a bike per month so they had something like 40 or 50 bikes in their room where they do the spin class within a week and a half all the bikes were gone wow so so people came in 
and they got the bike and they went home and now they're creating their own like for lack of better terms like a peloton at home where they can do their classes (laughs) virtual totally well now that's turned into competitions so the competitions now are are and i i don't know how they're doing it in cycling but they're creating online virtual competitions so yeah i mean and Zwift, though, that's like what's happening on Zwift. And like, you know, that's really what it is. Just, uh, I'm after just being on it for like three days now. I'm actually loving it. Like, just, I did my first race yesterday, you know, and it's like a genuine race, like going so, all out. <laughs> so, explain to, to, to our people, like, how that would work. Cause as a layperson listening to this, right? If I'm a, a football player, basketball player, hockey player, soccer player, I don't, I don't understand how that would work. So how does it work doing this virtual reality? Kind yeah, of thing? certainly. Well, like on the bike, whether you're inside or outside, you have sensors that really pick up your effort, like heart rate monitors, uh, cadence meters, which uh, pick up the rate at which you're pedaling, like the revolutions per minute. And then you have uh, power meters, which, uh, you know, translate the power you're putting out into the pedals into watts so uh that's just in the crank of the bike um so you have all these sensors and most of them can connect to your computer okay and so the computer picks up the sensors and the data coming from them and then right now uh on my zwift i've got my little man who has blonde hair like me and he's kind of skinny and uh he's pedaling the same cadence i'm doing right now and there's people all around me and the game knows how fast i'm going because of the watts i'm putting out so i go spawningly fast uh in the game and there's uphills and downhills and if you're really cool and you have a smart trainer which is uh, a fancy word for just like it basically just replaces the rear wheel Right now I have a trainer where the wheel is just the wheel of my bicycle and it mounts onto a thing (laughs) for lack of a better word and uh, rubs up against like a resistance module. So you can get trainers that connect to your computer and the game and actually like give you more resistance when you go uphill or less resistance when you go downhill to make it more realistic. There's even like things that you can attach the whole bike onto, like the front bit to like, when you go up a hill, it rises, the handlebars rise up wow. with the gradient of the hill and rise down and like, wow, all this cool stuff. So really good to hop into it. <laughs> That's so, so based on, on your pace that you're, you're putting out, with regards to what you're up against on that that race, that simulated race that's put in front of you, that is how they're tracking if you come in first, second, third, and so on, and if you win. Yeah, right. There's even like drafting and stuff. Basically, the bike turns into your controller, right? Wow. And then, you know, that's all the amazing. input you put into the bicycles output it into the game. That is so pretty cool. And there's thousands of people online. Like, there's 10,000 people online right now. So I'm doing this as we speak. Wow. <laughs> so I got to ask, what place are you in? Are, are, you, are you leading the pack? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just cruising right now. <laughs> I don't think I could be racing and chatting to you. It might be <laughs> uh, not very enjoyable conversation. <laughs> so, so this this is this is amazing stuff. What, what I what I love every time I talk to to somebody, it, it's it's always a different topic. I, ne- I never know where this is going to go. That's, so this is the fun part of <laughs> stuff, is, right? So l- let me ask you some technical stuff, like okay, headset stuff here. Yeah. What, do you have a set mental menu, mental recipe? that you go through before races? Is there something that you do for you to get you ready to do the do? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing super specific, but mostly just being really relaxed and like 
not stressed and not letting little things stress you out because it's easy to get into that mindset where you're like going down to breakfast that morning of a race or something and you're like oh god I don't have any ripe bananas <laughs> oh god <laughs> something like that you know like or like you know letting say you're driving to a, an event and like you know the traffic's getting you stressed out and you're like worrying about little things that like really don't matter that much like you could just leave like 20 minutes earlier and like just be like the old grandpa yeah or grandma driving on the road and no stress and like saving all that energy that mental energy for the event that you're gonna go do right so that's kind of my approach is to just be really chill <laughs> in the race too or in the event you know that's kind of the secret to success i think I, I love how you refer to that mental energy. I think that's brilliant. I think I think it's brilliant. Um, not so long ago, I was talking to totally. a, a bunch of athletes uh, at, at, at a university back east, and we were talking about um, relaxation techniques. And 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 one of the relaxation uh-huh. techniques that I use a lot is, uh, especially with people who have like anxiety, a lot of nervousness, uh, is something we call progressive muscle relaxation, where we're um, flexing different parts of our body and, and we literally go from your nose all the way to your toes um, and vice versa and, and what happens is you get this calming sensation and a relaxed sensation and your body feels like it's actually stretched out and it feels like it's ready to go and you have not wasted any energy compared to what you might do if you were that nervous Nelly that person yeah. a lot of like you said, oh my god, I can't find the right the right banana. Or, <laughs> oh my god, That's my dude. personal thing. <laughs> Cars and front like of bananas. Us. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like I'm in the wrong lane. Fudge. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> can't find the lucky sock. So I, <laughs> I, I I love how you you almost take this uh, Buddha philosophy to to just let let's be cool and let's be relaxed and let's just know what we got to do. When you get to race time, are you the guy who, who flicks a switch? Are you a person that that turns the hat around and says, it's game time? How does that happen? Or, or is that not even you? Are, are you just cool as number through everything? Who are you on that bike? Oh, the, the hat definitely gets flipped. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like, that's what's, great about competing uh you know in whatever event it is but like i can only speak from cycling but uh for in a bike race like i just love how that happens like just naturally um how before a race you're just like this cool collected guy and then not to say that in the race i'm not relaxed and thinking about what i'm doing but i just love how like you can do things that you uh, didn't necessarily thought you could do before in a bike race. Yeah. So I love that. So, so are, are you a person that rides angry? Are you a person that rides mean? Are you a guy that rides tough? Who are you when the hat flips? <laughs> oh, I mean, like, yeah. You, I mean, you definitely do things you didn't think you could do before. Like, just, yeah, maybe being more you know, more mean or I don't like angry. It's never good to be angry in a bike race. <laughs> okay. Cause uh, that's, that's a good way to waste that mental energy. Yeah. That, uh, we were just talking about, you know, like, you know, usually it's about something that doesn't really matter. You know, if you just kind of stay calm and like, all right. but yeah, it's just that focus. It's just a focus. That's what it is that like, you just can't really get anywhere else, you know, yeah, and that's what I love about it. Like you're just not thinking about anything else at all. But if you are thinking about anything else, then you're probably not going to do it very well in the bike race. So that's kind of goes into that whole being chill thing and being comfortable in life. You know, like I lived in Europe all last year, um, and it just wasn't like a very comfortable life. So you're entering all these races and like. You're just thinking about other stuff, you know. You're not thinking about just the race at hand and you know, focus mentally yeah. on what you should be doing. You're worrying about like 
are you going to sleep that night? And your your roommate's doing something annoying or, <laughs> you yeah. know, something like that. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's amazing what you're talking about because um, I often talk to athletes about uh, the fact that, that every day, mentally and emotionally, um, we put this backpack on and that backpack is filled with all the things we need to be successful for that day. So, you know, if you're an athlete, it could be, you know, uh, bringing your mental focus, bringing your endurance, bringing the game plan, over read and react. I like that. And, and those who seem to do best have a very light backpack. There's no extra crap in it. You know, like, I saw a movie uh, just the other night and it made me laugh because uh, it reminded me of stupid things that I used to do with teammates. And it's the recreation of the movie called uh, Point Break. And, and okay. there's, there's a cool scene, if you've ever seen the movie or not, but there's this cool scene where these extreme athletes uh, are climbing a mountain and they get to the top of the mountain and they put on squirrel suits flying squirrels off the mountain. So the undercover guy, the undercover guy who's in the movie, the super agent, right? He's the last one to make it to the top of the hill or top of the mountain. And and he's and he's huffing, right? He's like dying. And one of the guys uh, from this team, which he's kind of like the undercover brother with, says, um, okay, pass us the rock. He's like, rock? What are, you, what are you talking about? I'm like, pass us the rock. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, one of the guys goes, you should always check your backpack before you do anything. So he opens up the <laughs> and what's inside is this huge rock, right? And, and basically, he's like, you guys suck. I can't believe you did this to me. So I, I lost you. Yeah, it's okay. So, okay. so basically, what he what he talks about uh, is like suck. I can't believe you did this to me. And it hands them the rock. So they take the rock, and the, the story is they throw the rock off the off the mountain, and they can time how long it takes for the rock to hit the ground, and that's how they know to do what they do when they do put the flying screw. Uh, yeah. But it comes back to to wrap the point up, right? And that's we all carry things in our backpack every day. And some of the things that we carry are complete bullshit, right? Why, why we carrying this? Why, why are we holding on to this? What do we need this for? And, and it's important to visit our backpack and get some inventory of our backpack so that we don't get stuck carrying bullshit rocks around. Extra weight. And, yeah. um, you know, hearing you talk, I, like, I, I love that you, you have that ability to go into that relaxed mode just before you flip the switch you become the beast that you are on the bike. Is that something that you've had all your life, even as a kid? No, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> like, I remember when I was younger, I like what you talk about with the mental backpack. That's a really good terminology uh, to describe that. But like when I was younger, going into races, you know, like there was a whole list of like, things that like you know I thought I needed to have before the race like really stupid stuff like oh, I gotta have like these special safety pins and on my numbers or I, I gotta have like I gotta make sure I like you know do this stretching like at this time the night before or like make sure I eat my food at exactly this time like before the race or else like you know it's not gonna get digested or like something like that like you know stuff like that like that like it fails to meet which when you're traveling as an athlete like if you have this really long list of things that you need to take care of and accomplish before you race uh and you're really far from home you know you're in a hotel in a foreign country in china and like you can't just go to the supermarket necessarily and get your special whatever it is like <laughs> right you know you need to like have like a simple kind of list of things that uh, you can handle, like some things that are in your control, really, like, um, 
and not too many things because most of the time it doesn't really matter. You know? <laughs> right. It is really like it's more mindset than anything. This sport, you know, like just gonna go out there and say that like it's more mindset than anything than like all these other physical kind of things that you can try and control. I guess. Well, you know, the the, the three the three things that that you bring up as we're talking today that I I just so in line with I just love things I got goosebumps as you're talking it, um, first and foremost the more simple you can make things for yourself the easier you can have a routine that works and and right. what you're talking about with that is leads to point two and that point two is, is being able to control the things that you can control so like if you can control simplicity, if you can make simplicity part of your life and you can control that, that's what really have a good recipe for success, I think. Because as you said, you're not looking for that special banana every morning before you race. <laughs> yeah. Totally. But, but the third point with simplicity, being able to control what you can control, the third thing that I, I love that you're saying is you're not relying on hope, right? You, you, you're not creating so many of these superstitious moments and superstitious scenarios yeah. that now right. it's hoping, right? So again, I, I, I exactly. hope on the banana. I, I, I hope the car I'm riding is, is blue, not green. <laughs> I'm hoping I get there at my, my favorite moment. You know, there's so much right. hope. Over, right so i i think it's fantastic that you can create a routine where hope is not the backbone. with hope totally. the backbone then I, I think that becomes the problem um yeah because it's just like it doesn't matter like what all those things are like the thing that's going to help you most and whatever benefit is or the thing that will help you a lot is just being chill like you know yeah. Do you have a scenario where when you think of just being chill, being chill worked out for you? Like, do, you do you think of a scenario or a story maybe and you apply that relaxed mentality? Things worked out really well for you? Do you have one of those? Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the best, uh, examples I can actually think of is, uh, tour of the Gila, uh, stage two in, uh, 2018 when I was with, uh, Jelly Belly. Um, you know, I, I just remember being just so relaxed and so chill. Like it was a big stage for me, like, cause I really wanted to go and In it that day, or like it's you know, DC, Sparta was settled the day before, you know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of those days where I'm the last fifth go, and it's like, but if you're not in the breakaway, it doesn't matter, like <laughs> if they're letting it go or not, it's like the worst, right? So, right. you know, there's a lot of pressure, or there theoretically should have been a lot of pressure on my shoulders, but like I was just so relaxed and so chill. And uh, I remember saying to Ricey, the director or my director currently still, uh, just like, man, it's such a beautiful day for a bike race today. <laughs> you know, like, like, wasn't like, you know, oh, Ricey, like, where should I go? Like, I'm like worried, like, I gotta get in this breakaway, you know, like, what should I think about? Or like, you know, you just gotta like know that, that like all the preparation is there, kind of like all the mental preparation is there from previous races, you know, it's all in your brain somewhere. And, It'll be dug up when, like, you're in the race. You just got to be confident in yourself about that. And sure enough, I, you know, got into the break, and I got third on the stage. And that was pretty cool. That was, like, one of my first big results. I, I, I love what you said, that it, it's all in your brain. And you just got to get it out. I love that. I love that. And yeah. It's a thing I just learn more and more about, like, every every year in this sport. You know, I just keep on. That's what everything points to more and more. It, it, it's interesting, you know, the, the people who are able to archive 
those memories best and, and be able to know where that memory is when needed tend to be the ones that do the best because they just know when to apply it. I, I see so many that, as you mentioned, have had an experience and they pick that experience and they archive it somewhere and they say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to organizing it at another time. And all of a sudden the exact same scenario happens to them a couple of races later, a couple of games later, a couple of events later, they make the same mistake. And it's at that point when you talk to them right after they go, shit, I knew this. I went through this before. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, 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 and this is no different than the person who can't find their car keys. It's no different than the guy who can't find his wallet. It's no different that the person who is doing the Macarena dance when you're looking for their car keys and, and, and whatever it may be, it's the person that, that, doesn't have that set routine of I take my keys and I put them here, right? I archive that memory. I put it right here. So when I got to fly out the door the next morning, it's there when I go, right? Yeah. So, so for, for you, it would be interesting to look in your mental hard catalog into your backpack, shall we say, and see how many of these different experiences you've had where calm was king calm was that which allowed you to be good each and every race that you're up against right interesting because at some point in time that calm had to become something that you believed in and that worked for you it'd be interesting to see when that happened it'd be interesting yeah to 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 see when that started working for you be hard to dig up that one, but I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to, I think I, last year, I think I just, I got it from one of my teammates last year, uh, Eugenio Alafacci, uh, Ooh. Italian fella. Um, <laughs> not so Irish. he was definitely not Irish. Not Irish. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was, he was just like one of the most chill guys ever. Like, <laughs> and he uh, he just told me that one time we were in a race, uh, we were racing in Mallorca actually, and a challenge Mallorca is like set a for uh, 1.1 races in uh, Spain in early season. Got a lot of big teams show up too, and I was just I was just really nervous riding around the bunch, you know, like it was coming up to like this final climb, um, or and then like I just remember him telling me like yo just just be calm man just be chill and take it easy you know like yeah and the same thing on the downhill like he had to tell me again because there's this crazy there's this climb and then like a downhill into the city of palma like crazy course super cool uh just like ripping through city streets and stuff and like you know on like going downhill though so it was really fast and intense and he was just i was taking tech lines and like I was all like, just like nervous because we were off the back a little bit. So, and he was with me, but he was just like, yo, just like chill out. Like after the race, he was like, that was the moment I think, you know. It's amazing when, when you can look at a teammate who like you is going Mach 5 and (laughs) find a sense of calm, right? So for people who don't know that are listening to this, right? When you say you're ripping through streets and you're coming down hills, educate our people here. How fast are you going when you're ripping down a hill, going through streets like the one you're describing? Yeah, I mean, it's like 40 miles, 40 to 50 miles an hour, like down this mountain, you know, with like curves and corners and gutters and manholes. And most notably, like, you know, 150 other guys trying to get around you. That you're also trying to get, <laughs> right? And, and you have to be calm, right? In this situation, like you can't be stressed. You can't. You can't let it get to you because inherently it is stressful and dangerous, and uh, you know, not the situation to be calm in. But like, part of the contest is just overcoming that and being relaxed. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. And and and, and for those people who don't know, right? Um, 
you're going down that that hill you're avoiding all those obstacles like you said you've got a hundred plus guys around you and oh by the way if something goes wrong um we've got some lovely lovely comfortable concrete to cushion us <laughs> when things go wrong right amazing yeah right <laughs> don't remind me <laughs> I, I can't imagine i can't imagine some of the things that you've experienced um and and, and you know hearing you talk the things that you're sharing this is what I respect so much about you and, and, and what you guys do, because as much as it's a team sport, you guys are on that bike all by yourself. And, and I just have so much respect for what you guys do. Listen, I, I can't thank, thank you enough for everything you've done and for taking the time today to talk with me. I, I, I love you more than you know. Thank you so much for everything. I really appreciate <laughs> So please stay yeah, safe. Stay safe during all of this. Say, eh? Be safe. Yeah, you too, for sure. Stay home. <laughs> Take it easy. You know, I'm going to throw, throw a, a curveball at you here right now, so you know. Uh-oh. So I talked to a couple of your teammates, and uh, there's one ringleader, the guy who likes to talk a little bit. I'll let your mind wander on who that is. Um, wants to get all the boys mm. together, and we do one of these with all the guys. So <laughs> Wow. You know, yeah, so we, we could. Can you handle that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to bring a whip and a chair for that. Um, <laughs> so just so you know, we'll be doing part two with the guys pretty soon. All right, perfect. Okay. That sounds like a blast. Okay, buddy, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Doctor Galea. Talk to you soon. Bye, pal. Yeah. Ciao. Ciao.